Good morning and welcome on this chilly Sunday morning, the third Sunday of Epiphany. Uh, this morning there's a couple of liturgical notes to make. As you've noticed, our choir is not with us this morning. Uh, sadly, this week Tony um, got ill. He has, so everyone knows he's got inf uh, sinus infection. It's not COVID, that's what we're happy about, and should be back, um, by, back to normal by the beginning of, or middle of this week. But uh, we are so pleased and blessed to have in his stead, of course, our um, understudy, which is Eden Castile, who always does well for us. However, without the choir, that does mean that you all are the choir this morning. So I want to encourage everyone to sing loud and proud, and even if it's off key, don't worry about it. Just pretend like you're on key, and we'll be all set. So I invite everyone to please stand and join in singing hymn 616.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be his kingdom now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we in the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. A reading from the book of Nehemiah. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, 
Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The word of the Lord. The psalm this morning is Psalm 19. We will read it together in unison. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the, and the firmament, firmament shows his handiwork. One, one day tells its tale to another, and, and one night imparts knowledge to another. Although they have no words or language, and their voices are not heard, their sound has gone out into all lands, and their message to the ends of the world. In the deep has he set a pavilion for the sun, it comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. It goes forth from the uttermost edge of the heavens and runs about to the end of it again. Nothing is hidden from its burning heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The statutes of the Lord are just and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold. Sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can tell how often he offends? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound, and innocent of a great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, 
and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, and there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret, but strive for the greater gifts? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel hymn this morning is 533. We'll sing the first two verses prior to the reading of the gospel, and then if you would noodle after be greatly appreciated. So please stand for him 
the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. As was his custom, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I can hardly imagine how excited the people were who gathered in that synagogue in Nazareth that day when Jesus, their own child, the person they saw grow up, came now not just as Jesus, the carpenter's son, but as Jesus, this rabbi and healer. I also can only imagine what they expected to hear. But what's clear that they didn't expect to hear is one who would come and speak to them with great authority and great confidence. And we'll hear about that reaction next week. But what is interesting in this morning's passage, which cuts off just before the reaction, is the passage that Jesus reads to them. It is from the prophet Isaiah, whom we have heard from throughout Advent and Epiphany. The prophet who tells Israel that their captivity is coming to an end. And soon they shall see and experience their freedom once again. In this morning's reading from Nehemiah, the prophet is reading to the people. Freed at last from their captivity, they are able to gather and hear the Torah for the first time read aloud in a congregate setting. And there is tears. And there is joy. And there's a reality 
check that tells him we are somehow far from what God has expected of us. And as Jesus reads from Isaiah, he not only tells them that the oppressed shall soon be freed, but the year of Jubilee has come upon them, the year of the Lord. And when talking about that, what he is telling them is the Jubilee year that is talked about in the law of Moses, in which all debt are forgiven. And those who have been weighed down by debt are now freed from their debt and able to go forth in life as free people again. It is not a surprise when reading through Luke that these would be the words of Jesus. Because Luke, from his very beginning words, seems to focus and emphasize a concept that Jesus has come into the world to bring about huge cultural transformation. And we hear that in the words of Mary to Elizabeth, in which the lowly shall be lifted up and the mighty brought down. In Christ's Sermon on the Plain, Unlike in Matthew's Beatitudes, we hear the Beatitudes of blessed are the poor, etc. But then we also hear, woe to those who are filled. And woe to those who laugh this day. And it's also Luke. In the book of the Acts of the Apostles, that talks about an early Christian community where the resources of all are pooled and everyone lives communally. And so Jesus is beginning to talk about a way of being that is totally different from what we understand or even imagine to be within the realm of possibility. And Luke is bringing us into this transformation in Jesus' words. And so as we hear Jesus speak to Nazareth and share the words of Isaiah and begin talking about what can be or what is being brought forth, not that new mighty kingdom where they may be oppressors, but one where the lowly are lifted up, it asks us this question, where do we fit in? in our conversations in both our Wednesday Bible study and in our Thursday evening Bible studies, as these Lucan passages have come up, we have had to struggle with them, especially for those of us who are wonderfully blessed with resources. We've had to ask the question, who can get into heaven? And is it possible for those of us with resources to actually go to heaven and be accepted. I think it's very easy when we begin asking those questions and reading these stories on the surface to begin to believe that there is truly this dichotomy between wealth and poverty and somehow poverty becomes more blessed than wealth. What I believe Luke is pointing out to us, it's not necessarily about wealth versus poverty. But from our end, 
It's not about the fact that we are filled, but it is about the fact that we can be filled and unaware of the needs of others. That we can live well while others go hungry and not be aware. I also believe another adage that fits into this this morning's homily is, to those who much is given, much is expected. And so as Jesus comes into the scene, we will find that the reaction to him is not exactly positive. They actually want to run him out of town. His brothers and sisters want to take him in because he is crazy. But it leaves us here with the question, where do we fit in? And how does this community in which we live begin to kind of come in line with where Luke is moving us towards? And as I think about that question and the question for us here in South County, what is the community that we wish to live in and how do we want to be known and recognized, I need to talk about the fact that there is a growing issue here in South County that most of us are aware of in kind of out there in theory, but not in practice. That three weeks ago, while I talked about food insecurity and how 13% of people in South County live with food insecurity, I mentioned the fact that while our rate of insecurity may be going down, there is a reason for that. Because as the cost of living continues to go up in South County, those who experience food insecurity are now experiencing housing insecurity as well. In the last year, I have heard more and more stories of our guests at the community market telling me about how they are losing their homes. And it began a year ago, Thanksgiving, when one mother who was a frequent part of our community market, who worked outside the home, informed me that we would not see her again because her lease was up and the landlord now wanted to upgrade the apartment and wanted to raise the rent as a luxury apartment building. And so with her Section 8, she had to find new housing, none of which was available here in South County, and move up in the environs of Providence where she could find housing. In the last four months, three of our elderly members of the community market, people who have worked their lives and now are retired, but live in low-income rented houses, some of which they have lived in most of their adult lives, are having to move out because landlords are selling their property and getting their money out in this time of increased value. And new landlords are coming in. And as one member told me, they want to make it fancy. And I have to leave. Luckily for her, 
her brother doesn't live too far north of the towers and she's still able to come here most weeks for food and groceries. But there is an ongoing issue. And it is not just with those who come to the community market who are housing insecure or struggling. Last fall, I did a wedding for a young couple who grew up here in Narragansett. He was a lawyer. She was a physician's assistant. They lived here in a rented building. They hoped to buy into a house here in Narragansett, both of them with good enough jobs and salaries that one would assume that would allow them the opportunity to find a house here in town only to be frustrated because every time they put a bid down on a house, they were outbid. There is no bad person or bad guy in these stories. Landlords are selling out and taking their profits after years and using that to supplement or help with retirements or even perhaps nursing care. New landlords are coming in and buying at a high rates and paying the cost to renovate these buildings. They need to get their money back. But the problem in the area is so severe that the pastor at the Congregational Church in Peacedale actually from the pulpit asked his people, if you have an apartment that you can rent, to please consider allowing your rent to be lower through Section 8, but guaranteed your rent month to month. That may be part of the answer to the problem we have here in South County. And it addresses the issue on a small scale. But there is a systematic issue that we somehow need to address. Because I've heard from two or three of our members of this congregation when talking about the housing issue with those who are truly concerned who have said to me, there is a philosophy running through this area that the luxury of living near the water should only be reserved for those who can afford it and not for others. I'm not sure if that's the community we want to take pride in and be part of. I don't think that is a community that is in keeping with who we are as a Christian people. I also believe that it is very short-sighted. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he talks about the body and how every part is dependent upon the other. In every community, is dependent on people of all socioeconomic abilities in order to function. This past summer, we heard the ongoing complaints of our tourist industry and business owners. There was a lack of people to employ. And oftentimes in the conversations, what I hear people say to me is, well, that's because people are doing well off the welfare system and all the extra money due to COVID, except for the fact by that point, most of those benefits had stopped. In those conversations, I asked people to ask themselves this question. What happens 
when your housing prices become so high and there is no philosophy within the community to provide for middle or lower income. Young families stop being able to move into town. Young families who produce the children who go to our schools, who while in high school are the ones who are employed by many of our employers in the area in the uh, tourist industry to cover those jobs during the summer. They're not there. The same thing to do with those college students who come back home in the summer to help occupy those positions within our tourist industry. When we do not take into consideration the needs of middle income and or lower income people, we face the same problem that Newport is now having as well. It's no longer economically feasible to work where they do not live, to pay the commuting prices into Newport when the very same jobs with the very same pay are available near where they live. What happens when people with middle incomes can't live in the area and must commute in from far away? That includes your teachers, your nurses, your clergy. And the list goes on and on and on. And so the community that is dependent on all these roles, as Paul talks about, cannot fill them. And the community itself begins to suffer and contract. I don't know what the answers are. But what I do know about this congregation is that we have many people in this congregation that have influence, that have resources. And all I can ask is that we as a congregation begin to think creatively, not just about the food insecurity in the area, but the insecurity of many in terms of housing. An insecurity that is affecting our elderly who've worked all their lives. That an insecurity that is affecting our young people who now cannot live in this area must move away from here in order to find housing and jobs. What can we do that is different? How can we set a tone throughout South County in which we not only value the increase in our property values, but that we also value those who sweep our floors, who are engaged in our fishing industry, who serve us in our restaurants, and who basically hold up our entire summer tourist industry? How do we also value and support those people when more and more is getting impossible for them even to begin to set foot in this area? And it begins with the understanding that we who follow Christ, to whom much have been given, become aware and speak on their behalf advocate with our town councils and begin taking seriously the need and the philosophy in this town and in South Kingstown that we need housing available at all levels. Again, there are no bad people in this situation. It is merely what it is. But together, we can make the difference for we too are dependent on the fullness of the body of Christ 
which includes all people, rich and poor, young and old. And only can we function when we as a community look out for the whole. Amen. Please stand and join me in affirming our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our parish cycle of prayer, we pray especially for David Spears, Judith Stenberg, and Craig and Maureen Swan. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we pray for St. Paul's North Kingstown, St. Paul's Pawtucket, and St. Paul's Portsmouth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We commend to your mercy all who have died, especially Miriam and Hubert Graves, that your will for them may be fulfilled. 
and we pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. I also ask your prayers for all who are displaced in this world due to violence. For all who suffer from COVID, that they may be healed. And for all who grieve the loss of loved ones as a result of COVID. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Please stand. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us greet one another with a sign of Christ's love for us. Peace. Please be seated. I don't think the church is falling apart, is it? <laughs> okay. A um, handful of announcements this morning. First of all, our annual meeting has been pushed off two weeks. It will now take place on February the 13th. It's a Sunday, thank goodness. And that'll be a hybrid. Those who wish to come and attend services will have service at 9 o'clock, and then we'll hold the annual meeting directly afterwards. Uh, I'm hoping we'll be able to broadcast all of that on Zoom. Um, I have a meeting with the powers of Zoom uh, later on today to talk about what we're capable of and what we can do. And we'll get back to you with more information. But the only difference will be this year is that instead of me giving the address during the homily time, we'll forgo the homily during the service and I will address the congregation um, during the uh, meeting time. And that will permit those who somehow, for some reason, do not find sitting in front of a computer screen for two hours exhilarating and exciting, like I do, um, they, don't, they can come in at the meeting point, and we will give definite times for when the meetings to begin and when the service begins. And we do invite those who are going to be away to please um, zoom in with us during that time because it's nice to have a quorum at which time we will vote for um, new vestry members and um, also talk about budget and things like that, all the exciting business stuff of running a church. So I do encourage everyone to be part of that meeting. This week we have, again, our two Bible studies. We will have our Wednesday noontime Bible study. We are in chapter 9, 10. We are researching or talking about the conversion of Paul, and then we will see him eventually move out into the known world as we've been watching through the book of Acts, spreading the gospel, spreading throughout the Mediterranean world. 
in our Thursday evening Bible study. We are in the midst of chapter 6 of the Gospel of Luke, and in that we are, as I've mentioned earlier, in the midst of his Sermon on the Plain, which is the equivalent to the um, Sermon on the Mount. And um, as we move through that slowly, uh, anyone is invited to attend. It, all you need to do is let me know. I'll be glad to send you a Zoom link. If you're saying, well, I kind of am interested but don't want to make the commitment, that's fine. Come join us for one session. See if it's your cup of tea and something you enjoy. If it is, stay with us. If not, um, you're under no obligation to keep going, but we do invite you to be part of it. Also, on February 1st, Tuesday evening, I will begin Episcopal 101, which is our, what used to be known as the Inquirer course, and that will, over the course of several weeks, explore the sacraments of the church, how they, how our theology of our sacraments relates to both the Protestant churches and to the Roman Catholic Church, so I do a compare and contrast, and we talk about what we call our polity, how the church works in terms of its systems and its councils and how we relate to the bishop's office as well. That is designed for anybody who is new to the Episcopal Church and would like to learn more about the Episcopal Church. It's also open to everyone who, like myself, is a lifelong Episcopalian and learned all of this during confirmation class at the age of 10 or 12. And for some reason may have forgotten it all. Don't know why that would be. But um, it's designed for anyone who has questions. I will keep posted through the ENET what the topics of each class will be. And by doing so, those who say, gee, I'd really like to learn about your theology on marriage. Can I just come to the the day that we talk about marriage, yes, you may, or I want to learn about baptism, yes, you may come to that, or the history. So I will keep people posted topic by topic, and if you want to just drop in for one day of it, or one evening of it, that's fine. And again, this will take place on Tuesday evenings, and it will take place at 7 p.m., and it will also be on Zoom. Again, since so many at this time are scattered, I like to call it the winter diaspora. Um, you can Zoom in from Florida, Arizona, or wherever you may be during February and March. Finally, I do want to keep putting out there and keep before everybody the fact that on April 2nd, Sister Sarah of the Society of St. Margaret will be here to conduct a day or quiet day retreat the focus of our meditations will be on the sorrows of Mary at the cross. And so we'll begin taking sign-ups for that sometime probably about mid-February. But please, if you are interested, mark your calendar, save the date, and that will take place as a Saturday beginning at 9 and go to 3 p.m. And Bob is holding up the forward day-by-days to remind me that uh, the February, March, and April edition of Forward Day-by-Day Day are available in the back of the church. Um, please pick one up and bring it home. Uh, we've got plenty, but they do go fast. So do take a moment and pick those up if you wish to use that for your daily meditation. And also in your bulletins this morning, you will find signups for flowers if you wish to designate a Sunday to purchase the flowers for the altar in Thanksgiving or memory of somebody. Um, do, now's the time to do it. There's a lot of openings. The dates are listed in our um, flyer for you. If you wish to sign up today, you may do so right on the sign-up sheets in the back of the church, or you can send your request into the office. Or you can just drop your request in the plate as well. So there's all sorts of ways to let us know that you'd like to have the flowers or the sanctuary lamp in someone's memory or Thanksgiving. 
Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us in offering and thanksgiving to God. say the uh, Sursum Corda this morning and preface and then sing the um, Sanctus. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, because in the mystery of the word made flesh, you've caused a new light to shine in our hearts, to give the knowledge of your glory in the face of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, for who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name.
We give thanks to you, O God, for the goodness and love which you've made known to us in creation, in the calling of Israel to be your people, in your words spoken through the prophets, and above all, in the word made flesh, Jesus, your Son. For in these last days you sent him to be incarnate from the Virgin Mary, to be the Savior and Redeemer of the world. In him you have delivered us from evil and made us worthy to stand before you. In him you have brought us out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. On the night before he died for us, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he'd given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, according to his command, O Father, we remember his death, we proclaim his resurrection, we await his coming in glory, and we offer our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to you, O Lord of all, presenting to you from your creation this bread and this wine. We pray you, gracious God, to send your Holy Spirit upon these gifts, that they may be the sacrament of the body of Christ and his blood of the new covenant. Unite us to your Son in his sacrifice, that we may be acceptable through him, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ, and bring us to that heavenly country, where, with the blessed Virgin Mary and Peter, our patron, and all your saints, we may enter the everlasting heritage of your sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the church, and the author of our salvation. By him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us join in singing hymn 537. Please stand. in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.